to American Hammers Radio. Hello and welcome into episode three of American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Kyle from the Fresno Irons, joined as always with Zach, who is part of the Maryland Hammers, joining me. So we got you covered coast from coast. I got the West Coast. He's got the East Coast, and hopefully we can cover the rest of you guys. Um, kind of coming off a, uh, I'm going to call it a disappointing week. I know that we picked up our first we uh, first point of the season. We also got our first goal. Thank you, Chicharito. Um, I think uh, we will always love you, even though people crap on you all the time. You seem to always find the back of the net. Um, but we ended up with a 1-1 draw. And uh, Zach... Before yeah. we get started here, first off, how was your experience watching that match, and what were your emotions as West Ham pulled out the draw? So, thank God for VAR. <laughs> that saved our butts because we are not defending well at all, and I'm sitting there yelling and screaming in my laptop, going, where are you? Where, you're, where is your man? Where are you? What are you doing? Stop picking your nose. Stop braiding your nose hairs. you got a man behind you. He's about to score. It's yeah. frustrating sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, out here in Fresno, um, it was a very interesting vibe inside our bar. Um, we kind of were excited. But the worst part of the whole thing was, uh, you know, as we we're going to get into this VAR discussion. But the worst part is when we scored our goal, nobody celebrated in the bar because we were like, "Is it good?" <laughs> and we we're all waiting on the edge of our seats. And then when they go, "The goal is good," it's such a subdued reaction. I that's one thing from a fan perspective that's really bothering me is we have really kind of lost that ability to be excited for the goal because of VAR. I mean, I don't know about you, but has it affected your excitement level? Well, I'm well. even before VAR was even a thing, I was seeing this a lot with offsides, like, especially like when I play FIFA, um, I send a through ball throw, um, guy gets in, he shoots, he scores really quickly, and then I start celebrating, and then the flag goes up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like offsides by an armpit, maybe. So it's frustrating some like it's frustrating but we need to be patient this is a whole new system for the league it's going to take time nothing happens through osmosis and if you but if you look at something other things where replays dramatically helped cricket cricket has been beyond fantastic ever since video replays came into effect and even though yes cricket's a whole nother separate sport i get that but it will Come with time. We need to be patient with it. It's not. It's just like a, ch- a child learning to walk for the first time. They're gonna fall down a bunch. Zach, my patients are running thin. Zach, they're <laughs> running thin. And I don't know about you, but the VAR thing is really getting to a point for me where I'm just. I I don't know. I, I like the fact that the goals are gonna count, but there's some element of excitement that I'm losing. Because we don't have the ability to celebrate the goal immediately and go crazy. Like, you have to sit there and go, was it good? Wait, let's look at the ref. Hold on. Was it good? No. I mean, if you if you treated a girl that way, Zach, you're like, do you like me? Do you? Yeah? You're not going to have the girlfriend very long, Zach. I mean, at some point, you have to kind of get yourself into a situation where you have to trust it. And they have to allow it. Like, that whole waiting part is really annoying me. 
But yeah. I understand. But getting into the game recap, West Ham opened up. They looked good. They played very well the first 20 minutes. Then, as usual, typical fashion, West Ham falls into a lull. Brighton start to get a better of the advantages. They go to halftime at 0-0. Not feeling great, not feeling bad. It was kind of like I told you last week, we're going to be in a game with these guys. Uh, we always are. I predicted a 2-1 win. And then sure as fire, you know, um, we get into the second half. Obviously, they had a disallowed goal in the 29th minute. Um but then Chicharito gets a goal. What does he do? The fox in the box in the right place at the right time, puts it in the back of the net. West Ham up 1-0. One, I mean, 1-0. But four, right, you know, hey, four hey, minutes later, Zach. Four oh, minutes hey, later. I want to talk about the celebration for a second. I honestly thought he looked like a zit um, from Animal House. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? This is no time to imitate Animal House. And then he posts on Instagram and for his child. Okay, that I get. Okay, now you explained it. Thank you. Anyways. Yeah, well, what I was saying is in the 65th minute, of course, the ball never lies, and Trissard, the man who had the disallowed goal, finds the back of the net again. It's 1-1, and from that point forward, I did not feel good about the way we played. I felt walking away from that game with a point, West Ham were very lucky because the way we played and the way they started to pepper the goalkeeper because Fabianski kept that game 1-1. That made some sense spectacular saves he was my man of the match but once again West Ham United are in a position against a team that we should own and we end up with a 1-1 draw now I know what everybody's saying a point away is a good point but we're we have a better side than Brighton and settling for a draw even away at Brighton to me is frustrating as a West Ham fan what are your thoughts Zach I mean I'm inclined to agree, but at the same time, VAR saved our butts. It gave us a point. That's By the way, that's one point out of nine we're going to get from VAR. But it's it's just frustrating to watch when your defender is not paying attention and the guy runs past and is left wide open. He could literally have pulled out a twin-sized bed and tucked a nap on it if he wanted to and probably had a couple other things in the bedroom, like a nightstand and a dresser. But... He, there was just so much space when not marking the man well. And this is not helping. And if we're going to be a top 10 side, we need to start marking man. We need to start seeing that there's somebody behind us or there's somebody in front of us or someone to the back of us that we need to pay more attention to. Because if we're too loose, we're going to give up way too much. And we can't keep relying on Fabianski. Although he's been fantastic for us. He's going to get worn out very quickly, and worn-out goalkeepers are not a good thing. I mean, Zach, you bring up so many good points. It's just we saw this in the preseason. We saw how poor our defense was in the preseason, and I think we all kind of were like, well, they'll figure it out. They'll get there. But this is the Premier League. Every game matters. You can be beaten by any team any week. It doesn't matter if you're Man City or not. Man City, don't be shocked if they have a result this year where Burnley take them down. It, it happens every single year. Um, it's it's a, not a war of attrition. It's, it's a war of always being ready. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, everybody wants to praise West Ham United and, and Diop and those defensive signings. But the truth is, why they didn't play Balbuena, I'll never get. Um Agbana, he's run his course. I mean, the fact that we haven't sold him yet, 
bothers me. He He's not the player he was that last season at the bowl end. He's just not. And I think the sooner we accept that and go, we're going to buy in on all Balbuena, because I feel like because Balbuena was bought for $4 million, for some reason there's a stigma behind him and that he, they don't want to play him, and they always find an excuse, and Diop gets all the love. But I've always felt Balbuena's the best. And, and what's really starting to bother me is when you start screwing with that back line, Zach, and you start changing that center back partnership and you start, you know, constantly having those wingers moving in and out, you know, the whole argument, Masawaku or Cresswell, all that stuff going down, you can't be consistent. You can't. And so, and it's starting to show Zach, it's starting to show and it's starting to kill me. And it's starting to really concern me that West Ham United can't figure out what's going on in the back end. Do you agree with that? Or do you think there's other areas where West Ham really need to look at what's going on? Um, well, without watching training, I really, it's really kind of hard for me to say. It's not like I can go, it's not like the Caps, I can go to our Caps practice, that which are open to the public, and watch them and be like, oh, so Ratko Gudis is not doing well. He's, that's why he's on the third pairing, and that's why uh, Orlov got moved up, yada, yada, yada. But I understand that you have a lot of pieces, and you're trying to put them in a puzzle, and sometimes you're hammering in that puzzle piece. And it doesn't fit. And if it doesn't fit, sometimes you can't force it. This is it, going to take time. It's on, This is only game number two. We got a long way to go. So we just need to relax. And remember, we got three cups to play for. So. I, I, I guess where I disagree with you is this. is These are the same issues we had last year, all year. And we had a summer to fix them. And we didn't. And I didn't think it needed to be new signings, I, you know, but maybe it does. I, I, my, my concern is that I hear what you're saying. I understand we got a long year, but these are the same problems that plagued us last year. The same exact ones. We are, we are like Swiss cheese in the back end. And we make, we make what I, I like to think of as under 14 mistakes, not marking a guy, ball chasing, ball watching, Things that you cannot do and be a successful Premier League side. Now, granted, last year we're pretty good going forward at times. We were able to save that. But last year, I remember, what did we have last year? Four clean sheets? Four. Under Slavin Bilic, we had more. Under Moyes, we had more. But we only had four. That's concerning for me. And, and I guess my, my question, maybe I need to ask it this way. Do you think that Pellegrini has to buy in on two defenders and go with them no matter what, gain the experience, make the mistake, I'm sticking with you? Or do you think this revolving door at center back, the unsure, unsureness of who's going to play left back, and then constantly rotating Fredericks and Zabaleta at right back, do you think that's a better tactic? Or do you think he needs to buy in on a back four and say, the, you're my guys, for better, for worse? I mean, honestly, I would really love him to buy in on a back four, but I don't think I don't see him doing that. I honestly see in January him going out and buying a wing back because I've been screaming for a new wing back because we our wing backs aren't that great. I mean, they've not been they've not been solid like a rock that we need wing backs to be. So it's just it's it's completely frustrating, and we should all be frustrated by this. But at the same time. We need to realize that maybe we don't have all the answers in our cards. We may need to, we may need to draw a new card. 
you got a, you got a good point. Now you brought up something earlier, and, and we're going to get into this right now. And um, I, I brought it up too. Is we had another disallowed goal in this game. VAR stepped in again and saved West Ham United this time and got us a point. Um, I'm curious. I know you've got some thoughts on VAR. So two weeks into the season, for West Ham United's sake, and I think we're the team that's benefited the most from it, we've had two disallowed goals from it. Um, I think that leaves the Premier League at the moment. How do you feel about VAR? And, get, and credit to you, you're the one that said we're going to have nine more points because of VAR, and we got our first one on Saturday. So – I'm, I'm asking you again, what, what, have your thoughts changed? Do you still agree with it? How do you feel like it's operated? It's operated. It's slower than molasses. It needs to be faster. We need a decision that comes up on the video board that shows to everybody in the world what's happening. And, and we need it to become like we needed more fluid motion. It would be great if we could hear what um, the referee is saying to the people in the VAR room kind of like what they do in rugby sometimes, that would be fantastic. And that would, for us at home watching, I think that would be great. So we can see, oh, that's what they're talking about. And oh, that's that's the camera angle. Because right now the announcers were just guessing. And so far it's not been great. But we need to perfect. It's going to take a while to perfect it. And I realize that there's a lot of poopy voodoo things about the, about the Premier League that you can't record refs and they can't have a live mic and yada, yada, yada. But that needs to change as well. We need to open this game up for the viewers at home because the Premier League is the most watched league in the world for a reason. And it's, we need more, we want people to come in and tune in for us. And the fact that it took us, uh, that took the league a year to say, okay, we need this, it was bothersome to me. I, I, I agree, but I'll tell you why they can't have like my, live mics. Nobody wants to see how dumb Mike Dean actually is. <laughs> they don't want to see that because then everybody will know, well, if he can ref, I can ref because that guy's clearly an idiot. So that's why we don't have the mics on the ref. Let's be honest, Zach. Let's not dance around. Let's be real about it. Yeah, actually, uh, actually, hang on. There's a real reason why we don't have mics on the ref. I think it was an Arsenal match back in 86. They put a live mic on. They only told one of the teams, not Arsenal. And so, like, when the uh, one team had a question, they went over and asked politely, and they acted all gentlemanly. And then when Arsenal got it, um, because they weren't told, they got it, they started swearing into the mic, and they had to put, push the beat buzzer a bunch of times. And the BBC was like, okay, no more. We're, we're, we tried it. We're not doing it again. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. You need to tell both sides. You need to do this. You can do this. You can do this. Leave it to the Gooners to ruin it for everybody. In 1986. Yeah, but, but the Gooners are ruined. They've been ruining things for forever. You know, my, my good friend's a Gooner. And I just leave him as a good friend because, well, he can't be a great friend because he's a Gooner. You pretty much know that he's going to get butt hurt about something. His jeans will be a little bit too tight. And he's only going to like things that you think aren't cool. That's a Gooner. So You mean like those really long um, puffy coats? No, if that's what's in for the Gooners right now, I mean, here's what's funny. In England, they call them Gooners. Here, we call them hipsters. So <laughs> let's just let's, let's just not beat around the bush again. You know, now team Holly fans. Let's be honest. Our third episode, and we're not beating around the bush, Zach. We are telling the truth. Gooners are hipsters. Period. <laughs> well, I 
I, I think my big thing with VAR, Zach, to be 100% honest with you, is it's taken a little of the excitement out of the game for me personally. Um, but if I sit there and I go, would I want the decision correct or would I want to be excited and celebrate a goal? I clearly want the decision correct. Because if the decision is correct, I know my team didn't get screwed. So I'm glad they're looking at it, but I think you're 100% right. They do need to work on the process. It needs to be faster. Show the replay on the board as they're watching it. Fans are informed. Be transparent. There you go. You know, that, that's, that's kind of what I think. Um, all right. We're going we're gonna to move on here. Um, so I, obviously after this game, I, I've, got a, I've got two questions for you. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you one, have you answer it, and then I'm going to answer, and then we'll go to the other one. But what is your top concern for West Ham United right now? What is the number one thing you are worried about with this squad? Defense and the fact that we can't mark men properly and the fact that we're letting them just go and be loose and look like they're out there like dancing in the Paisley green fields of a soccer stadium, and they can just do whatever they want to. And you can't – do that if you want to win games, if you want to have a happy club, if you want to have happy supporters, if you want to stay in the Premier League. You just can't do that. That's my biggest concern. We need to tighten it up. And, and I'm, I'm going to be right there along with you, except my, my thing is when I watch them play, there's no trust. My number one concern is does this team trust each other? Is there too many new faces? Do they not know exactly how to play? Do they not trust the tactics Pellegrini is putting out there? But there, there, it seems like there's a lack of trust. And, and when I watch them play, I want them to sell out. I, I firmly believe when Mark Noble gets back into the side, things will be different. I really honestly believe that. I know he's not the greatest player in the world, but there's something about Mark Noble on the pitch. He raises everybody's level to play better. And I, I think we'll see a difference, hopefully, because good news, uh, Noble, Allaire, and Anderson are all supposed to be back coming up for this game against Watford. But really, it's trust. You know, like you got to be able to trust the guy next to you. You got to know he's going to be there. Um, you got to know that when they, when you send that through ball, he's going to make that run. And there's too many times I saw Declan Rice send two through balls into that game on Saturday, and guys weren't running. And you see them stick up their hand like my bad. No, motherfucker, get on the, get on your horse and get there. Don't make that mistake. You're on the Premier League side. But th that's my top concern. Um, my next thing is, what's your biggest praise though? So we've been a little negative this show. So let, let's let's try to be positive here. What's the thing you're most proud of that you've seen West Ham do? The fact that we we at least from the forward side, Alaire went down, Anderson went down, and we we've been able to move Soldier on without them, and we even scored a goal this game, much better than last game. I I agree, and honestly, I have no difference. My favorite, my my thing that I'm I'm praising about is I think we look dangerous going forward. I still think we have issues in the final third, but I think those will get worked out. There's some new faces up there. They're still figuring it out. Um, I'm a little more patient going forward than I am with what's going on in the back. But uh, really, I, I agree with you. You know, and you've been bringing up Allaire, and he's been injured, and, we, and he's due back this week. Now, you were telling me before we got started in our pre-production meeting here, you were telling me you saw a very interesting video on Allaire, and the video was titled, How West Ham Should Use Sebastian Allaire. Can you elaborate on that and tell us what you saw? Sure, sort yeah, sure. So Tifo Football, which is a YouTube channel, subscribe if you never or check them out when you're done with this. Um, they did a thing about how they how West Ham should use a lair, and they went through and tactically broke down how he played at Frankfurt. And because at Frankfurt he had played with three guys up front, and a lair accounted for twenty five percent of Frankfurt's goals, 
and how they were able to, because they used the three in tandem, and how Lair was in the center, and he could pass out to the sides and make a run in the box, or pass out into the sides, and then, like, and have them shoot or go up to the side and then cr- then pass the ball in um, from that way, and he scored a bunch of goals like that. And they said that West Ham could use something like this. Um, and they also talked about how um, we could use the like we could use the long ball um, defensively to pass up to Antonio to get hit to get it over. But currently, with Alaire, his biggest issue so far that they saw was the fact that. Alaire's in the center by himself. He's getting the ball. He's turning around to pass, and he he passes it to nobody, and it's a turnover going the other way because there's nobody around him. Now, we need to get closer together. We need to figure out how to get this to work, and um, one of the things I talked about is what, using one of the new signings. His name begins with an A. I don't think he's played yet. Uh, Jerry? Uh, are the, you talking about the Swedish Ariet? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, Ariet. Yeah, and they said that how they could use him on on the left side and a layer on the right to use this sort of system to ha- uh, to pass back and forth to have this ability to go um, with each other like that. Um, and that's something they talked about. Um, they also talked about how the fact that West Ham and using Lanzini more as a stronger ten and more aggressive ten, and also like moving him forward. And also possibly pushing a layer back may be an option as well to use him in that same sort of position. But they also talked about changing West Ham um, to, um, tactically, like using a midfield diamond formation and possibly even going for a 3-4-3 formation um, or something, or like three four, like a weird 3-4-3 uh, three, three formation with the two wing forwards back a bit um, to create sort of like a triangle up top. And that's something that Pellegrini has never used in his in ever coaching. So if you haven't seen it, I would strongly advise you to go watch it. It's a really great video and also watch a bunch of other stuff that they have. They have a great series about the owners, including our owners. They have a two part series about us, about our owners and how they got their money, which is very interesting. I actually just bought David Gold's book. So right on. Um, that's interesting insight. I, I think, um, I haven't seen the video yet, but I'm going to say this. I, all air is one game into his West Ham career. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we've seen how he's going to work with these guys. I understand what they may have done over there. But, again, I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm going to say it again now. We have to trust the process with Pellegrini. Um, I'm going to trust the fact that he knows more about the game than I do. Um, and I think that this video may have insight onto what Allaire is good at. I think at the end of the day, the, the person that's going to determine how good Allaire is is Allaire. Uh, I think you would agree with me on this. Any great player can adapt and work in any system. We've seen it from Cristiano Ronaldo, um, how his brilliance, being able to play in the middle, being playing play off the left. Heck, the guy could probably play goalie and still score 10 goals a season. <laughs> um, it's kind of a situation where I, I, I like the insight, and I'm definitely going to give it a watch. But I would, I would advise all fans to realize that Allaire is one game into his West Ham career. So, looking forward here, we get Noble back, we get Anderson back, and Allaire is back, and we take on Watford this weekend. Let me set this up for you, Zach. Watford has not scored a goal this year. The West Ham way says they'll get two on us. Watford has not won a game this year, and they've lost both of their contests. They haven't even picked up a point yet. 
that's not good for West Ham because what happens? We love to break streaks that go against us. We always do this. Uh, Watford have some danger mints. They have Troy Deeney, who doesn't look athletic at all, but yet somehow makes athletic moves against us and puts goals in the back of the net. They have Deafeu, who is a very dangerous, very dangerous, don't kid yourself, midfielder. And then they have the, you know, Perea, who's uh, from Juventus. They've got some guys on that team. Perea from Juventus, Deafeu coming off, uh, coming from Barcelona. They've got some, they've got some dudes. They can play. And they, and don't forget they have Ben Foster between the pipes. So they've got a very, very, very good goalie. They've got some midfield pieces, and they've got a guy who, say what you want about him, tends to always find the back of the net 15 times a year. And he hasn't scored yet. Third game of the year. It's a very rare occurrence, Zach. We are playing a team that is in dead last in the Premier League. Now, we're not on the schneid anymore because we picked up a point against Brighton. But looking at this game, what do you anticipate um, is our danger things to worry about with Watford and what do you hope to see us do when we get out on the field against Watford? Okay, so a really interesting point. Um, according to my um, app, it's called Soccer24, by the way, um, in case you you were wondering. Um, they played this really weird 4-2-2-2 formation. And it looks like they, they just lined up uprights and put them on the field. It's wicked. I've never seen anything like this. I don't think it's an option in FIFA. Um but that being said, we, again, we need to defend better. We need to be strong. I know this is an away game and Watford's not that far away from everything, but we need to be stronger than what, what we were last week defensively if we want to win. And having a layer back and having Anderson back and hopefully Noble getting into the lineup will be a great step forward. We always play better with Noble in the lineup, and hopefully we can – Right, we can ride this out to a victory, and that brings us into the cup match on Tuesday. I I I couldn't agree with you more, but I'm going to tell you now, it's a must-win for me. We should have beat Brighton. I know this is Watford away again, and I know people are going to sit there and go, "Well, we get a point away. That's a good point." No, it's not. Uh, this is West Ham United. The money we spent the last two seasons, the manager we have at the helm, the stadium that we're in, the promises that were made, we've got to start winning these games. So it's a must-win. It's a, I mean, we should be picking up our sixth point going to this game, and now it's only the fourth because we, we had that hiccup against Brighton. So hopefully Brighton was the reality check. But to me, we've seen this Watford team before. We know what they're going to do. As long as we keep tabs on Troy Deeney, I, I think their only danger comes from outside the box. And if they score a goal from outside the box to put my hands together, I say, well done, sir. But if we give them another cheap goal away to the poacher that is Troy Deeney, I mean, it's going to frustrate me. It's going to frustrate me because those only happen when you're not tight defensively, when you're not marking your man, when you're not where you're supposed to be, when you're ball-watching late back. That's when those things happen, Zach. And I, that's my thing. Troy Deeney scores a goal from outside the box. Congratulations, Troy Deeney. But if we let no one of those chicken-shit goals go in, I mean, it's going to – it's it's – Ridiculous. It's like we don't even make teams work for a goal. So I, I'm, I'm concerned about this game. I really, truly am. And I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you this question before we get into our prediction for the game. What do you need to see from West Ham United in this game to ease your concerns going forward? Now, we, I know you've said the defensive side of it, but I want to know what do you specifically want to see from a player, from a manager? What do you want to see? 
to ease your concerns going forward? Better ball control. Um, last game, we didn't even have 50% possession. Um, I think we were, hang on. That was all, hang on. I think we had like 44% possession for the whole game. Sorry, 43. It's close. Um, percent possession. We need to hold that ball. We need to possess it better. We need to make crisper passes. And we need, we need to start using our offensive weapons. We have an arsenal on defense. Sorry, on offense. Excuse me. What? Well, that was a major slip-up. We have an arsenal on offense. We need to start using that. We need to start peppering the goaltender with shots. Because if we do that, eventually he's going to mess up. And something's going to go on the back of the net. And it's going to be a clean goal, too. So we need to start doing that. We need to start using the money that we – because we spent a ton of money on our offense. We need to show the world that we can make this work. Zach, I think you bring up some good points. I think for me, what do I need to see? I need to see confidence. I feel – I'm sick of seeing the timid play. Um, Manuel Lanzini is, um, you know, 30 games out of the season. Manuel Lanzini is the best player on the field, and he needs to start playing like it. Um, I – I think the rest of the guys need to lift their level. I'm incredibly happy that Noble's coming back. I agree with you. I don't know what it is about him when he's on the pitch, but we play better. And he tends to have a knack to make a play every once in a while and hit a goal. And honestly, if we get a penalty and he's out in the field, I'm really, really confident because he's missed two penalties in his entire career. So for me, what it comes down to is I got to see confidence on the ball. That's the number one thing that I got to see. I want to see them play like the team they are, the money that they've been paid for. I want Allaire to play like a $45 million player. I want Lanzini to play like we've got his buyout clause at $70 million. I want to see Anderson play like his buyout clause at $60 million. I want to see them play to that level because they're, they're, they are that level and they need to start proving it. So after that, we're going to close our show here. But I want to ask you this. It's the biggest moment, and I'm, I'm proud to say that both of us have been incredibly wrong both games. <laughs> what is your prediction for Watford-West Ham at Watford this Saturday? I'm going to say we're going to win one nothing. I think that's a strong prediction. Who do you have getting the goal? It's going to be a substitute, and I don't know who we're going to sub out and, for, and sub in for. I, it's, My guess is going to come off the bench. We're going to have a super sub, and... It's going to be crazy. I'm actually going down to D.C. this weekend to go hang out with the D.C. Irons because of a book signing in Virginia at 2. So to go from Baltimore to Arlington is not easy. So D.C. to Arlington is a hell of a lot easier. So um, I think we're going to be screaming in Chinatown. So Right on. Well, I, I hope your prediction is correct. My prediction's a little bit uh, more advantageous. Uh, advantageous, I should say. I think we're going to go 2-0. I think we get an early goal in the game by Mikel Antonio if he starts. If he doesn't start, I believe that goal is going to come from a midfield player, but I'm calling Antonio. Um, and I think in the second half, we're going to see Sebastian Allaire get in there. I think they'll figure it out. I think he's going to get, whether it be a header or not, but Allaire is going to get on the, on the score sheet. I think Mark Noble is going to be the man of the match. And I believe he's going to be the man of the match because he is going to make sure he's going to break up play. He's going to be yelling at people, telling them here, get going. And he's going to play the way West Ham fans love a West Ham player to play. So I have a 2-0 win. West Ham United, I think we keep Watford from scoring. I hope Troy Deeney somehow gets punched in the face and we don't get caught because I can't stand the man. Um, it's time for our shameless plugs. Zach, I'm going to let you go first. So 
in case you don't know, listeners, I sell on eBay full time. Um, if you type, go on Google and type in Zach's Trunk Show, all one, Zach with an H, um, that's my store. I'm trying. I'm selling a bunch of stuff. I got all. I got mostly sports stuff, NBA, NFL, and MLB, NHL, a lot of other, a lot of, a lot of soccer. Not unfortunately, no West Ham stuff yet. But I'm always on the lookout for things specifically. What? What the hell, Zach? You gotta have West Ham stuff. Okay, so because I thrift all my stuff, I can never find. I no one donates West Ham stuff. It's the weirdest thing. The only person I've ever like found that thrifted a West Ham thing, he was down in Florida, and I bought it off him for twenty five bucks. So I can never find West. I don't know. It's I cannot find West Ham stuff. If I ever do, I will put it, make a huge announcement saying I found something West Ham related. Well, um, I am glad to hear you're partying with the DC Irons. I have so much respect for that group. They are phenomenal. Um, a couple of our Fresno Irons were out there in DC at one time, got to watch a match with them, um, had nothing but amazing things to say. So make sure you give uh, the Fresno Irons best to the DC Irons. We think they're an absolute incredible group. Time for my shameless plugs. Um, if you haven't done it yet, you need to follow the Fresno Irons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Fresno Irons. And if you find yourself in the Central Valley of California, and it's Saturday morning, 7 a.m., you know, I don't know what to do with myself. Why don't you come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company and watch the greatest team in the world, West Ham United, even though we don't play it like it all the time, um, and come spend the uh, morning with the Fresno Irons. Once again, remember, we play Watford this weekend. Make sure that you're out supporting at your local bar with your local group. Let's make this community as big as possible. And as always, come on, you Irons. Kyle and Zach, 